attention Well, my friend It's gonna have to be I'm here to tell you about The destruction Of all the evil it will have to end You're listening to Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis. In the second half of our show, a talk by independent socialist Kate Fry entitled, What is Turfism and How Do We Fight It? But first, the news starting with recent Twin Cities DSA endorsements for 2021. For Minneapolis Mayor, TCDSA has endorsed Sheila Nazad for City Council Ward 2. The endorsement is for DSA member Robin Wormsley Warblaw. For Ward 10 is DSA member Aisha Shute. And for City Council Ward 9 is DSA member Jason Chavez. And now to the most serious local story, the murder of 31-year-old activist Deanna Marie. From Unicorn Riot comes this on June 14th. A driver rammed his Jeep Cherokee at a high speed into a car protecting a crowd of Winston Smith protesters on Sunday night, killing the parked car's owner and injuring two others. A mainstay at the near-daily Winston Smith protest, 31-year-old Deanna Marie Erickson was pronounced dead from her injuries after arriving to the hospital. A mother of two, Erickson worked as a program manager at a facility for adults with disabilities. This Wednesday was going to be her 32nd birthday, and this Friday would have been a year sober for her. The driver, 35-year-old Nicholas David Krause from St. Paul, has been charged with vehicular homicide, giving police false information, and driving with a suspended license. Krause's license had previously been suspended because of numerous charges of driving while impaired. After a large protest on Sunday calling for justice for Winston Smith, dozens of activists were still taking space on Girard Avenue and Lake Street near the parking ramp where Smith was shot to death by federalized sheriff's deputies on June 3rd. Deanna Erickson's car was parked on the side of the street in a way that would protect the people who were gathering. She was sitting down on the sidewalk about 15 feet from her car moments before the perpetrator smashed directly against her car at a very high speed. That was from Unicorn Riot. Robin Wonsley Warblaw writes on her Robin for Minneapolis page on June 15th. A week ago, Winston Smith was murdered by U.S. Marshals in Uptown. Since then, community members have been in the streets demanding justice and the end of racist policing that gives law enforcers the authority to continuously kill black people at their discretion. On June 13th, a white supremacist, Nicholas David Krause, drove his truck into a crowd of protesters as they played games and killed freedom fighter Deanna Marie. Sunday's fatal attack is not an individual incident. Protesters have had to endure violence not only from law enforcement, but from white supremacists as well. When police murdered Jamar Clark in 2015, white supremacists shot at protesters as they occupied the 4th Precinct Police Station. Heather Heyer was murdered in 2017 by a neo-Nazi who rammed his car into a crowd of BLM protesters in Charlottesville, Virginia. Last year, a white truck driver tried to run his semi-truck into a crowd of protesters on the 35W interstate. Last August, white supremacist Kyle Rittenhouse shot and killed two protesters at a BLM protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin. 
These attacks are not new and are increasingly becoming a reactionary response to black and brown-led movements who have been organizing to stop state and corporate forces from killing, exploiting, and displacing black, brown, and indigenous communities and working-class people. These attacks will continue as long as we fail to rein in the powers of racist law enforcers and exploitative corporate forces. But our movement will not and cannot be silenced. We will keep organizing, building, healing, and fighting until everyone is free. That's from Robin for Minneapolis, Robin Wonsley Warblaw, June 15th. At Socialist News and Views, we'd like to take a moment of silence to honor George Floyd, Dante Wright, Deanna Marie, the Freedom Fighters, and the ongoing struggle for liberation. Please sit with me in silence for one minute. Thank you. Howie Hawkins writes on Twitter on June 10th, Keystone XL Pipeline is now officially dead. Congratulations to the indigenous-led resistance. Now we keep fighting to stop the Enbridge Line 3 in Minnesota, Enbridge Line 5 in Michigan, Dakota Access across North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, and Illinois, and all new fossil fuel infrastructure. From healing mnstories.wordpress comes an article on treaty rights as it relates to line three i'll read some of the article now the treaty people gathering june 5th to 8th garnered extensive media coverage notably the june 7th actions taken to stop construction of the enbridge line three tar sands pipeline through northern minnesota the media covered the political pressure placed on president joe biden to live up to his campaign promises to address climate change and respect tribal sovereignty it covered water protectors chaining themselves to enbridge equipment and the subsequent arrest of approximately 200 people it covered speeches by important movement leaders and celebrities such as winona leduc tara huska and jane fonda most stories made a passing reference to treaty rights but failed to give the topic much ink it's not something that fits easily into a two-paragraph summary or a 30-second video clip. The problem is that many non-Indigenous people erroneously view treaty rights as a gift from the United States government to Indigenous nations. Treaty rights are a binding contract between two parties, each with their own rights and responsibilities. That's from an article entitled, Treaty People Gathering, was about more than resistance and arrests, but a teaching moment. You can read more on the blog on WordPress. To touch on one story from international news, Jacobin has an article entitled Left-Wing Trade Unionist Pedro Castillo Will Be President of Peru by Nicholas Allen. The subtitle, Peru was the birthplace of neoliberal populism under Alberto Fujimori. Now, Pedro Castillo, a socialist trade unionist from an indigenous background, has won its presidency. You can read the rest of that article on Jacobin.com. 
And now, in the interest of international solidarity, we go to a musical interlude with Eclatrilla Ray by EPR in support and solidarity with the now over 200 days of farmer protesting and blockades in India. ਕਾਸੇ बिहार हरियाणा एमपी महाराष्ट्र दूध प्याज टमाटर फेंके फिर भी क्यों नहीं आती खबरें न्यूज़ में मैं आश्चर्यचकित हूं आज भी बोलना शुरू क्यों ना आशे आवाज तुम्हारी खो जाए आवाम ये बेरी सो जाए पार सूखा चक्रवात निराशा बार-बार हर साल हर घंटे मरते देश में एक से ज्यादा किसान फसलों की दामों में भारी अनिश्चितता ना इत्तेफाक कोई मुनाफाखोरी के दामों में बिकती उनकी हर एक उत्पाद क्या बात जनाब गरीबी रोटी दो वकी ना नसीब बताओ अपने बेटे-बेटियों को कैसे स्कूल कैसे शिक्षा टुकड़ों में ये जिंदगी वही पुरानी पोशाक गांव-गांव दलालों द्वारा परेशान उनके मरने पर भी कोई जो लेता उनका नाम कृषि प्रधान देश कृषि संकट पे ना कौर अब या तो आत्महत्या या फिर आंदोलन की And now, before we go to our talk on what is turfism and how to fight it, we go to a brief audio essay from our friend and activist, David Kummer, entitled Christianity and Equality. Hello, everyone. My name is David Kummer, and I use he, him pronouns. I'm a writer friend of Nick's, and he asked me to record an essay on Christianity and equality. Back when I was 10 or 11, I remember going to some kids' crusade at a church back home. We were divided into two teams, and the team who witnessed the most to their friends would win. So, I thought to myself, the whole battle between God and the devil is a football game? What happens if there's more people in hell than there are in heaven? Does that mean we lost? Nevertheless, I tried witnessing to a friend at school the next day, and I just could not do it. 
That perplexes me to this day. I have no trouble being openly queer or talking about being openly queer, so why couldn't I stick the landing when it came to talking about being a Christian? It was decades before it hit me. By that time, I joined my current church, which felt to me like the final step in coming out. Shortly after joining, I realized that God didn't want me to witness by mouthing the right sales script. If they had, I'd be able to do so as naturally as breathing. Instead, God wanted me to witness by doing, which gets into the whole faith versus work song and dance, which I'll save for another diatribe. It was like being able to breathe again. My church is basically white, basically suburban, which bothers me a lot. However, we're very liberal in the good sense. One of the things I'm proudest of about my church is that during the uprising last year, we were asked to be a sanctuary, and we did it. There was no debate. There was no board of old white guys frowning in disapproval. We just did it. Every Sunday we conclude with our pastor saying, our service is over, but now our service begins. And together we speak aloud a few verses for the book of Micah. I'm including the verses leading up to the passage we recite because they are pretty amazing for me to read. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before her with burnt offerings and calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn son for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God has told you, O people, what is good. And what God requires of you is to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Can you imagine what a deep draft of cool water saying that is? After years and years of disapproval of anything so worldly as being interested in the environment, civil rights, or economic justice, can you feel the thunder of finally getting that this is what God wants me to do? What do I think Christianity has to do with equality? Christianity, nothing. But Jesus, everything. To me, it boils down to that while on the cross, Jesus never said, this is only for white people, this is only for men, or this is only for the able-bodied. It's for everyone, and God help the idiot who tries to tell me differently. The great work begins. That was an audio essay from David Cummer, and now we go to what is turfism and how do we fight it? My name is Kate Fry. I'm an independent socialist. I have a YouTube channel. Um, we are many, they are few from a shilly uh, poem. Um, I'm trans. Um, turfism, what is turfism and how to fight it? That was the title of a YouTube video I made. Uh, basically, TERF, the term TERF stands for Trans-Exclusionary Radical Feminists. It's basically an outgrowth of 1970s second wave feminism. Uh, not all second wave feminists are TERFs, but it was one element, one group within it. Uh, they're primarily lesbians, 
and there's nothing whatsoever wrong with being a lesbian, but it does, there is uh, an element, that element to it. Um, okay, it originated in the United States. There were a variety of people. Let's see, there was a, uh, where, where is she here? Uh, a, a famous uh, Boston College professor in the 1970s, Mary Daly. And she, she, she was probably the, the, usually regarded as the originator, one of the originators of the turf movement. She was actually very anti-male. Uh, she was an ex-Catholic nun. She did not allow men to be in her class. And this was a big controversy. Conservative group sued her over this. Basically, ended her career. She, she resigned from academia. But she's often the ancestor of the turf movement, very anti-transgender. Uh, the left was in the U.S. was just coming to terms or just trying to figure. They accepted uh, accepted gay and lesbians, but they were trying to come to terms with transgenderism, and she she came out against it. There was another book came out around the I believe in 1979 uh, called The Transsexual Empire by Janice Raymond. That's essentially the turf bible. Uh, at the time, like 70s. 80s became sort of the left view of transgenderism, which was uh, pretty negative, like Thomas Saz, who was a famous uh, psychotherapist, like a leftist therapist, uh, psychotherapist at the time. He, he, was, he was against psychiatry or medicalization, mental illness. Okay, anyway, he, 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 he praised this book, said, yeah, they're definitely so. For a while, it was like the left view of transgenderism. It isn't now, fortunately. More newer stuff like third wave feminism is much more accepting of it. But the transsexual empire, his argument was basically it's a way for men to colonize women in space. Like, it wasn't written from a Marxist perspective at all. Uh, it was written from purely um, identity politics, from the, the patriarchy, but without getting into uh, class relations or anything like that. Like, I believe the author, Janice Raymond, is a corporate lawyer, believe it or not. It's not radical feminism. That strand of it is not really anti-capitalist as much. Uh, so anyway, uh, that made a big stir. There was a, uh, I forget her name, actually, I talked about her in my video, a music producer who is trans, who worked with uh, Jimi Hendrix, a lot of famous bands in the 60s and 70s, and she transitioned and... Uh, she began living as a woman. She lived in, she, she was part of a, a lesbian a separatist commune for a time, but they gave her a really hard time. Uh, this made a big stir in, in, the, in their lesbian uh, separatist community of the time. So it's kind of basically how the tur turfism originated. And it's kind of died down in the U.S. So the, uh, Jan the, the, their turf leaders like Janice Raymond or uh, Mary Daly uh, passed away a few years ago. But there was a turf movement in the U.S. The main organization, I believe, is called WOLF. Uh, uh, women, what does it stand for? Uh, 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 Women's Liberation Front. It's kind of the turf organization, and they're aligned with the far right, like state legislatures. They did this during the Obama administration. They're doing it now when, like, there's a counterattack from the right wing. A lot of states, particularly southern states, had so-called uh, bathroom bills or or laws, laws restricting trans rights or things like that. So that they, they, they testified, like Janice Raymond testified before Congress in the 1980s, and she was instrumental in getting like Medicare to deny payment for transgender surgery. Yeah, she played a big role in that. So this element really hates trans people, which is very <laughs> reactionary attitude. Uh, there's also a thing for going on for years, the Michigan Women's Festival, which um, was from 1976 to 2015. It was kind of a 
women's uh, uh, women's music festival of that genre, Indigo Girls, things like that. And uh, kind of many of these people were lesbian separatists, and they did not allow, officially allow trans uh, uh, trans women. It was for like women born women. Although it was understood some trans women who were completely passable did go there, and they do it anyway. This became a big cause in the trans movement. There was like a, what they call a camp trans, a we'll see, uh, run by anarchists who were like uh, we camp outside of like a fringe festival. So this this um, this this, um, uh, this uh, Michigan Women's Festival. And I spell it with a Y. It was held like a every August from 76 to 2015, Outdoor Music Festival. And there's pushback from the trans community. There's Camp Trans where people would camp out and have like a, a protest protest camp, fringe festival against this. It was organized by Lisa Vogel, who's actually not the same as the Marxist Lisa Vogel, who developed uh, a, a modern, a modern day socialist feminism. So. Anyway, uh, there's also another group I should mention, uh, Deep Green Resistance, which is a radical environmentalist group. They're not Marxists. They're kind of basically primitivists. They think that civilization is inevitably going to collapse and we have to survive in the wild and modern technology is basically evil. And they're a very anti-transgender. A guy named Derek Jensen and Lear uh, Keith. I believe they're partners. Um, they're very tran anti, very transphobic, and this has created a lot of controversy, especially in the West Coast. It's mostly a West Coast-oriented group, and they're not so much now, but from 2015 to 2018 or so, big controversy. Um, they actually were, were banned from a lot of leftist spaces for their transphobia. Um, and what else, what else, oh yeah, so the movement, the turf movement as such, it's around in the U.S., it's not as big as it used to be, like a new generation of feminists is more okay with with different identities, and you know, identities are morphing, and you know, millennials or people a lot younger than me are more freedom to change their identity, figure out their identity, things like that, which I think is a very healthy development. Um, it's had a new birth last couple of years in the U.K., uh, J.K. Rowling is a, fam a famous turf, a variety of other people. Um, I don't know all the details, but I've heard the U.K. was actually more tolerant towards trans people, um, at least until recently. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's been a big stir. Part of the turf movement is getting to be very big in Britain. It affected much of the British left as well. I believe some socialist groups, I think it's CBGBML is kind of turfy, or a variety of other leftist groups are turfy. I don't know if this has affected the Trotskyist movement, but some like Stalinist or Marxist-Leninist groups are more or less turfy. Um, came out of the, part of this movement, this attitude came out of like 80s uh, Ban the Bomb movement. Uh, there were encampments, like uh, women's encampments uh, to, to protest. Well, I mean, many people were like lesbian separatists and there was an anti-transgender attitude which came out of that. Also, a lot of people say this came out of the legacy of British imperialism, but for sexuality, there's like only one way to do things, like they were enforcing, the British were enforcing European culture on indigenous people and non-Western cultures around the world. And yet, you know, like over 100 years ago, but this attitude is still deeply ingrained in Britain, including uh, much of the British left. So that's what we're up against. I think fighting it is a uh, unfortunately, I have J.K. Rowling and a few other celebrities signed on to uh, 
uh, uh, our turfs themselves, unfortunately. In the U.S. and other elsewhere, it's dying out. It's been a major counterattack, but it's an ongoing battle. And um, I guess that's about it. I am a little out of touch with, with current stuff going on. I know there are a bunch of bathroom bills. Uh, I, it's used to, like they're used as test cases. It's happened under Obama. Now they're doing again under Biden, probably his Democratic administration. So local lo local Republicans are kind of uh, uh, running on this and using this as a as a political football, so to speak. And, you know, they're, they're lying, these right-wing Republicans are lying with turfs, you know, having turfs testify, things like that. It's, it's dying out in the U.S., but still around. And I guess that's about all I have to say on that. I'm, I admit I'm a little out of touch with, with the current stuff uh, going on, but I my YouTube video, I have a YouTube channel, uh, my video on turfism is called What is Turfism and How to Fight It? The title was kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek riffing on Leon, on, on a, a collection of works by Leon Trotsky on uh, how to fight fascism. It was put together, articles uh, Trotsky wrote, and it was put together I guess in the 1950s after he died, put together in a really cool book called What is Fascism and How, to, how, how, uh, and how Do We Fight It? And articles Trotsky wrote about fascism in Italy, Nazi Germany, Spanish Civil War, and elsewhere. It's really brilliant. I re recommend everybody read it. Uh, it talks about, you know, the best defense is a good offense. Um, when he was in Germany, he was, like, begging both, like, the, 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 uh, the, the KPD and the SPD, the Communists and the Social Democrats, hated each other. The, the uh, KPD had this ultra-left uh, uh, third-period line that Social Democrats are really fascist or social fascists, and it's totally counterproductive. Counterproductive is begging them to work together and things like that. Uh, so anyway, and also, you know, his famous statement was, if you can't convince a fascist, um, he didn't say this, but he's quoted as saying this, if you can't uh, convince a fascist, acquaint his head with the pavement. Uh, he didn't say this, it's a condensed version of, uh, of stuff. He really did say his address to um, French workers. It's the gist of it. Basically, you know, ultimately try to dialogue, try to talk to people as much as possible. But if you, you ultimately can't, then, you know, uh, fight them in the streets. Um, I'm not sure how this would translate to a U.S. Uh, uh, fight against turfism. Actually, the title was kind of tongue-in-cheek. Uh, 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 tongue I am a Trotskyist, so it's a, a riffing on Trotsky there, but, you know. Trans, uh, uh, trans athlete issue is an interesting, uh, interesting issue. Uh, basically, I'd say that, for one thing, when, like, trans women don't have the same muscle tone as men. They are not men, even though maybe by genetically the male chromosomes. Uh, being on hormones for a period of time does dramatically weaken muscle tone. And also say there's a huge amount of variation among women and among men. So it's not, you know, it's the argument, well, these trans athletes have an unfair advantage because they have male bodies. That's not really true. They actually have, uh, have dramatically... Uh, Different muscle tone uh, than than you know than than men and, and so on. Uh, I, I'm not really an expert on this, but uh, but stuff I read, it's not really. And there's a huge amount of variation between biological women and biological men as well. So the argument, uh, good person who. Uh, she has some YouTube videos. Morgan at Yukina. She's in the PSL. She's an RT journalist. She's trans. Uh, she had one of the best takes on this. And so anyway, uh, as far as fighting this, I think most for now, um, education. Uh, massive amounts of education. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 
younger people are definitely not a lot more accepting of this. Um, large numbers of people who are hostile to trans women sadly have been abused by men. Not all of them, of course, but there's been a lot of abuse by men. We do have a patriarchal society, and there is a lot of abuse going on. So it's like people who have been oppressed in one way carry out the oppression to another group. Um, I think we have to emphasize that, you know, from a socialist perspective, we have solidarity with all oppressed groups. Uh, trans people, especially trans people of color, are by far the most oppressed layer in U.S. society right now. Uh, the number of uh, brutality, police killings, uh, uh, rapes, murders of uh, tra uh, trans people of color in cities is uh, off the charts. They are easily the most oppressed layer. And a Marxist perspective has solidarity with with, with all oppressed people. And yeah, and there are, you know, there are, are bridges go bridges like I, I interviewed uh, Pauline Park, who's a Korean American trans activist in New York City. She was involved in solidarity work with uh, Palestine with uh, uh, Palestinians with the Palestinian uh, with the Palestinian struggle. There's that element. Uh, she was not the. It was a big controversy. The uh, New York there's the LGBT community center, New York City, Manhattan, uh, in Greenwich Village. Uh, she was kind of forced out of there actually because her type of activism wasn't popular. But so anyway, I'd say uh, education is very important. Younger people are much more open to this, but education is much more poor, and they're usually scare stories, horror stories. I I believe I mentioned in my video the instance of trans attacks on on bathrooms is actually none there have been or a very a tiny number of, of uh, trans women attacking women in bathrooms it just, it just doesn't happen but there are these scare stories the right wing uh, uh, promulgates and there's a lot of fear because it's the unknown uh, yeah, the trans athlete issue is kind of complicated. Uh, Morgan at Yakina is, is a very good reference on that. It's just muscle tone. I just say that muscle tone is so much different for trans women. And there's also a huge amount of variation among uh, genetic uh, women athletes as well. Um, so education, and, you know, it's going to be used as a political football and, uh, no matter what we do. But I think, you know, gradually people are learning. This is, this is a, a time for um, education, I think. This has been another edition of Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford.